welcome to a very special episode of Bible Buddies. So, uh, today I don't have any guests at all, because Chronicles 1 and 2, which I should be covering today, is basically, it's a clip show. It's a summary of everything that happened in, uh, the Book of Samuel 1 and 2 and the Book of Kings 1 and 2. That is primarily concerning, uh, David and Solomon and the commissioning and there and then the um construction of the first temple of jerusalem so as i was reading it i was just like i can't in good conscience uh subject anyone to this uh not that it is you know without its own merits or something but that particular chapter or those chapters or fucking whatever uh it's just too much you know so, instead, uh, what I'm going to do is attempt to enter a kind of prodromal state and speak consistently uh, non-stop for 60 minutes. So, some people have various rituals for doing this, prodromal being like the state prior to schizophrenia, but in my uh, opinion, it's uh, basically the same. So the first thing I've done is I'm going to turn off, or I'm going to turn off the lights. Awesome. Now I am sitting in darkness, and you know what? I recommend that all of you listeners at home do the exact same thing. Do exactly like I am doing. Turn off all your lights, and then close your eyes, which is turning off the lights to the eyes of your head. And then start internally uh, screaming. What you want to do is you want to get as many uh, screaming voices as you possibly can. Going on inside the old noggin there. And just keep going with it. So let's... Let's go. Let's uh, see how much we can uh, possibly uh, break ourselves. We're trying to get to the point of uh, complete uh, mind death without going over. And that's the trick, because once you once you snap, uh, that's it. it. It's all over for you. But if you stop just before, you can get a kind of light high, a mild buzz off of it. It follows the same rule as uh, eating nutmeg uh, straight from the jar. So... Uh, get comfy, make sure your lights are sufficiently darkened up, and let's go. Let's enter this prodromal mode. Um... <sighs> Alright, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I hope all of our creative uh, limbic adrenaline juices are uh, flowing. Our brains are juiced up. We've got our juices juicing. Get away from there. My uh, cat is very interested in the microphone. What was I talking about? Hmm. What was I talking about? Ah, uh, yes. The news. Let's see what's in the news today. 
Hmm. Hmm. Oh, look at this. Whoops. Hmm. Okay, here's a good one. Um, uh, that's a bit long. Aha! What will replace the desk? Um, oh, I can't. It's a Wall Street Journal piece, and I can't read the full thing. Okay, well, uh, that's been pretty enlightening. So, I mean, this is just the the long and short of it. Uh, I've been doing uh, some light podcasting, some light reading. I've been reading a book by Isaac Asimov called the Foundation Series. And it's, I, I feel like, chronically uh, overlooked in uh, pop culture. In the same way that, you know, some people have taken Dune to be some kind of, like, the greatest book ever written. Uh, people talk about Dune the way that they talk about Avatar and the way that they talk about um, Steely Dan. But I really think that Foundation should be up there. The first one, at least. The other two, I mean, they're good. Uh, well, I mean, actually, they're like eight goddamn books. Asimov wrote a lot. But uh, Foundation, the gist of it, uh, basically, is um, uh, in the future, far in the future, a man, Hari Seldon, uh, realizes that uh, human beings individually can't be predicted, uh, but in a group they all um, follow predictable kind of laws in the same way that you can't predict where an atom is going to be at any point in time. But if you get a ton of atoms together, you know, like, say, water moving downhill or something, you can generally, uh, reliably predict where the mass of water will go. And in his world in the future, Selden predicts that uh, the empire in which he uh, resides is dying and will collapse within uh, 200 years or so. And not only is he, for his prophetic vision, uh, lambasted and criticized and like made a heretic by it by the forces that be within the Empire, uh, uh, but he also one, he says that it's inevitable, but also following the Empire's collapse, uh, the galaxy will descend into... 20,000 years of anarchy and barbarism and chaos without a kind of organizational structure to keep uh, everything in line and keep the peace. Uh, and so what Selden predicts is that if the right, the exact right courses of action are taken uh, from his, his point in time uh, where he is before the collapse of the empire, he can actually reduce that dark age of barbarism down from 20,000 to a mere uh, millennial, uh, 1,000 years of chaos, provided uh, a couple provisos, provisions, uh, provi, provigi, I'm just making up words now, uh, is, is that, um, one, that no one finds out about what the, the plan is, like, if anyone knows about psychohistory, they can, uh, which is the, the field that he invents, which is using psychology as a hard science in the way that uh, physics is. 
if anyone, if the people know that they're under its uh, laws and are aware of what's happening, then they will uh, change their course. It's the kind of like quantum double slit kind of experiment where uh, if the light ball knows that it's being watched, it'll behave differently. So that's rule one. And then uh, rule two is that um, everything must go exactly according to plan. Everything that he, he has predicted. I mean, there are some probabilities involved. But, like, one of the major... Like, the major uh, plot point is, like, that uh, society necessarily moves through crises, right? And in the resolving and, like, resolution of these crises, uh, the... Society is able to grow and strengthen itself or it's just it perishes in the same way that like you have evolution, right? And you have a life form at first. It's like, oh, there's, you know, um, it's very hot in this planet and it's got to figure out how to like deal with the heat, you know? And then once the heat's done, then uh, it, it's got to figure out how to deal with uh, beings that have teeth, you know? And it's like, oh, it develops a carapace and once it does that, then... You know, it's various crises are thrown at it, and only the strong are able to evolve and survive um, in a, uh, you know, in this universe, predictable fashion. And and so what will happen is, you know, the Foundation is founded, and then, uh, uh, I mean, there are two. But the first one is the farthest end of the galaxy, and Selden sends uh, a team of, I don't know, let's say... Uh, 10,000 of the Empire's uh, smartest physicists and uh, book guys and academics, uh, but no psychologists, because if anyone figures out what is going on, what the plan is, then the whole thing goes to shit and it changes. Um, and their job is basically to write uh, an encyclopedia. Uh, by collecting all of the Empire's knowledge, they will be able to write an encyclopedia that will um, you know, reduce the dark age from 20,000 to 1,000 years. And after uh, 50 years on the planet, that uh, it, it becomes quite apparent, like, the one, the empire is collapsing, so the things is it rots from the outside first, you know? Same thing with, I mean, when Asimov was writing it, it was basically uh, a parallel to the collapse of the Roman Empire, right? At least the Roman Empire in the West, is that it collapses on the fringes, re reverts to uh, kind of barbarism, and everyone starts fighting, and then eventually a new empire... Uh, is is risen and I, I imagine that the empire that he foresaw was uh, Great Britain since that's kind of, that's when he was writing right it's like the 30s and 40s and 50s so he didn't really see like he saw it as uh, Pax Britannia you know with all of their various colonies and stuff he didn't see them recede to the uh, I don't know bread and potato sandwich kind of uh, fat ass island that they are now uh, I mean, no hate against the British, man, I guess. I honestly don't know enough about them, or, uh, or really any of them in real life. That's not true. I know one, and he did piss me off. Hmm. You know what? I, I think I actually, now I do hate them. Sorry, guys. It's just that easy. I've got a sample size of one that is 100% uh, annoying. And the crises, uh, that... The Foundation uh, encounters are things like uh, the the planets that surround them have reverted to reverted to um, kind of barbarism and anarchy, and all these new kingdoms are starting up, and they're looking at the Foundation, and they just want to conquer it. I mean, even though the Foundation has nothing on it, uh, except for like the technology that they have, uh, 
Uh, it's like it's poor for agriculture, no natural resources. It's just basically it's a shithole, which is kind of why it was picked uh, as that uh, that homeland, that planet there. Uh, but the kings want to conquer it just just for the sake of it. And so the foundation needs to figure out how they're going to do it. And so there's a giant fight between the encyclopedists who are like, oh, what we need to do is keep writing the book and trust in the plan. And then uh, the brave uh, protagonist of this particular arc, I don't know, maybe it's Halden or Heldin or Malo or whatever the names of the guys. There are a bunch of guys and I don't, uh, I don't keep in mind nouns or names. I just don't have enough room in my, my tiny... Tiny little brain for that. Uh, a very stupid house cat. Brainless house cat. Empty headed house cat. And, uh, and so he does his one. He forms a little coup. And two, he uh, founds a religion and he sends the religion to these planets and uses technology, uh, like superior technology, to force a stalemate. Where if it's like, oh, if one of your. Um, uh, if there are four of you, and if it's one of us conquers. Uh, them then not only do you lose our technology and our uh whatever whatever we're providing but also it means that they get it so they'll become even stronger and so it creates this um entente stalemate and that's the kind of politicking that got it done so then the vault opens uh after this crisis is resolved and harry selden comes out and he's like i am harry selden hello i'm in a wheelchair and uh congratulations on passing the first crisis uh you have successfully navigated being able to maintain your own independence despite complete military inferiority and uh, lack of any kind of material resources. And so the, the um, uh, book goes like that with, I think, like four or five stories that are basically they follow the same general plot line with people being like, no, we have to trust the plan and keep in mind the concept of... Uh, not deviating from it but how do we know what it is and like oh well this has worked before so why shouldn't shouldn't it work now and like the old structures of the previous kind of administration like i mentioned they found religion but then the religion becomes kind of corrupt and lazy so they kind of form a a merchant uh kind of guild that supplants it where it's just pure mercantilism and then mercantilism evolves into something else which is pure capitalism and that supplants that and it's just the steady hegelian march of uh, history at least in the first book after that you get mutants and telekinetic powers and things really, uh, uh, they go off the rails. I mean, you know, it becomes a bit more interesting because it's not like a, a little repetitive parallel uh, in a biblical sense that Foundation is. And I thought that's why, as I was reading it, like this uh, notion of both free will and fate and like how do you know uh, which is which and the way that they interplay with each other and... Um, ultimately resolve into what we would call like an inevitable kind of history right of uh looking backwards you know so uh, i mean in foundation it's on the one hand you have to trust the plan and trust that oh we like we can't fail because the foundation is uh all supposed to reach a point where it's it's uh it takes over the empire and becomes the kernel of the new empire uh, in 1,000 years. So any action that we take, any problem, it doesn't matter. But of course, that kind of thinking uh, fails when, uh, you know, like they get uh, conquered a few times and like there's mass executions and like the foundation does lose, but in losing, it like becomes stronger and it takes on uh, characteristics of people who are outside of it, right? Uh, who 
exploit like the fact that it was conquered to i don't know usher in a new era of kind of vitality in life and that's essentially what each crisis is it's ultimately the uh, a kind of wildfire clearing away of old brush in order to allow for new growth and in that way it's cyclical in the same way that uh i don't know all the chapters of the old testament uh post um Deuteronomy have been where it's been it's been uh just the i mean the rise and the fall of uh, the people of israel like they you know or have faith in god and they have faith in his uh his abilities and uh you know they keep that and in you know maintaining their faith they're able to uh, be empowered by it and uh, do some ethnic cleansing of Israel and Canaan and against their enemies, but then immediately they become indolent and lazy and less vivacious, and they uh, take on I don't know all, all sorts of like kind of ossified, uh, awful qualities, right? And uh, in doing so, they're immediately punished and destroyed. But uh, out of the you know kind of uh, fertile uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like the what happens to grass in a grassland once it burns? It's like all that stuff. Yeah, forms um, a fermentation for new life and out of that you uh, I don't know the, the people of Israel they they rise again and so on and so forth that cycle of uh, gaining faith and losing faith and only once you lose it can you really get it back only once you sin can you be redeemed right and, and isn't that what the Old Testament really I mean there's a lot of that you know, there are a lot of things and rules and stuff that go on. But it almost seems like man is set up necessarily to fail uh, with all of his the, the rules that are put upon him. And yet, uh, it's like the ultimate lesson is that God's forgiveness is infinite. You know, God will always take you back no matter how much you fail and you're, you know... Uh, almost destined to fail. Like I mean, it's 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 a thing that everyone does in in the Bible. I mean, even the the great uh, kings and the people who were beloved by God, like Solomon and David, uh, sin as well, and they fall and they are punished for it. And no one is immune under the eyes of God. No one is uh, free from uh, that that kind of that kind of life, that very human aspect that you encounter of the rising and the falling. And, I mean, isn't that the the Batman, like, why, why do we fall, Master Wayne, so we can learn to pick ourselves back up again? You know? That, that kind of uh, notion. And it's really, I mean, yeah, it's about, it's about hope, it's about faith, it's about not... I want to say not ever giving up, but like so long as you are willing to repent and and look upwards and uh, believe that you can truly fix yourself and and take I mean you know some element of responsibility that uh, that's all you need. It just it keeps happening. Like in theory, like God's commandments of why. So I mean, that's a question that I constantly uh, ask myself: is why do the people of Israel keep, after knowing God's existence, keep returning to worshiping Baal and Astaroth and all of those guys? I mean, they have 
one, they have hard evidence that God exists. But two, it's also none of these gods do anything. Like, I mean, they have Dagon, and they have Baal, and they have Diablo, and Cthulhu, and Mario, and Pikachu, and all of the gods that they worship. And um, none of those guys do a damn thing, no matter how much they, they pray to them. None of them uh, stand a chance or are unable to uh, lift a finger up to the, the Lord Almighty, and yet uh, people of Israel continue to worship them. So... I kept thinking, why does this uh, keep happening in the book? You know, why does this keep happening in the Bible? Uh, one must think, oh, these people back then must have been uh, the dumbest people imaginable to keep falling for this uh, same old trick of returning to Baal, returning to, I don't know, returning to Satan, returning to whatever it is that is, is not God. Why do, why do they keep doing that? They keep uh, uh, falling down those damn stairs, carrying piles of video games, and and I think that is the point, is is why that is uh, emphasized or the Bible is written that way is that it should seem to us the reader, evidently like self evidently just blind stakingly stupid that anyone would would turn turn away from God in in the way that those people do. I mean, you, you have it all clearly uh, laid out there. And I mean, if you take the Bible to be literally true, but I mean, even metaphorically, it's just the way that we as a people seem to reject the things that we know are good in favor of the things which we uh, either no one will know will hurt us or uh, feel cannot possibly harm us despite knowing that's just not true. So, I mean, an example uh, that I have is, I mean, not personally, right? Just, you know, but let's talk about something topical. We have Jordan Peterson, who, as, you all, as we all know, every single one of us uh, who uh, follows his life story very intently, was basically released from uh, his uh, Russian uh, captor, his Russian rehab, uh, due to a, a severe benzodiazepine addiction. Now, benzos are particularly uh, devilish little pills, like these little Zans, man, I'm telling you. Uh, I mean, they're, they're ba they feel fantastic. You know, I was hooked on them for a, a while. Basically, year and a half, two years. Ruined my life, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is that Peterson is like, he's a, a PhD in psychology, uh, slash also maybe psychiatry. I think he may actually be a psychiatrist as well. I have a computer in front of me. I could look it up. But I won't because this podcast is all about... Um, it, it's all about intuiting things and feeling things, not actually learning anything. Uh, you got to play to your strengths. I have no intention to ever uh, read or learn anything. I uh, had to for... Another episode, uh, look up what the deal with Israel and Palestine is. It just never, never really mattered to me. And you know what? It still doesn't. I think they fought in like 47. Uh, and that was the first time that Israel and Palestine fought. But I don't know uh, where Palestine was or who or um, really just kind of skimmed the Wikipedia article. But you know what? It's never, it's never going to happen to me. It's never going to be uh, a thing that I have to worry about. I'm never going to be Israeli or Palestinian. Uh, it's on the other side of the world. And knowing what happened and who is where, um, fortunately, I'm not forced to have an opinion on it. So, 
Let's let's all dump our brain cells into the gutter. Anyway, so I was addicted to Xanax for a while, and so was Jordan Peterson. But he, as a you know, PhD, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, like benzodiazepines are are very well known uh, to be one pernicious and evil, and like you know, addicting um, and life destroying, and uh, two specifically within the field of psychology slash psychiatry, because they're uh, commonly prescribed for uh anxiety right which a lot of people have including peterson after his wife got cancer and died and uh, his daughter became basically a, a jezebel chaos dragon incarnate which is another form of poetry right isn't that whatever however uh righteous peterson is he must have sinned somewhere down the line that his uh, family line was cursed and to be destroyed by the uh, feminine chaos dragon that uh, is his own birth child i mean one must imagine him to be particularly lonely right like, I mean, think about this. It's like he has, what, a son who, last I heard, was, like, living in Halifax, and then his daughter, who's the only one who stays with him, and has inserted herself into his life. And outside of that, I don't know that he has particularly many friends or many, uh, you know, he's not really well-respected. I think he left or was fired, dismissed or whatever from U of T. I mean, granted, he is a best-selling author, or was, or, or however this is going. But uh, he, he really, you know, his, da his daughter, if, if she is... Um, malignant not malignant what's the word malicious if she is a cynical kind of munchausen by proxy because i mean if you look at jordan peterson the guy's awful his his eyes are uh get sunken further and further back into his head he perpetually looks like he's crying and uh you know for a guy who was supposed to be cured of his uh addiction in russia like i imagine like what do they possibly put him on what kind of crazy diet you know and if it's a munchausen by proxy with his daughter just kind of like giving him quack treatment after quack treatment like some kind of uh, Habsburg um, who, who's dying of a uh, rare blood uh, disease or I don't know uh, you know what or like Steve Jobs how he kept on trying to cure his cancer by like shoving uh, carrot smoothies up his ass or however he was trying to cure instead of actually doing chemo uh, that means that he's further reliant on her right to to manage his uh, empire and his you know the Forest Hill Maison uh, state. But to go back what I was originally talking about, which was how we continue to turn to balls even though we know that they'll hurt us. I mean, how tempting is it that you have a, a guy who's like the expert who should know, like these are the danger pills, and who has preached on and on about self-respect and self-discipline and taking responsibility for oneself in order to take care of the people around you and to manage the funerals of, you know, your wives and your fathers and your pets and your dads and stuff and your, your kids or whatever, just to handle, handle things. And this, again, this guy becomes, uh, hopelessly, uh, addicted to them in a, a really terrible way. Like it seems to have taken such a horrible health effect on his life. And yet he knew this, like, it's impossible to say that he was, like, tricked or seduced in any uh, meaningful way. Like, I mean, he, he preached and uh, wrote about what you need to do when, you know, like, uh, someone really close to you dies. Like, say your wife gets cancer or something, right? Wrote a book on it. It was a bestseller. How could he not? And, he, and you know, still, and yet still, even he uh, turned to the, the life-destroying Xanax. Uh... Which, I mean, it's so tempting, man. Xanax feels great. But 
like that, that that's kind of the point with the balls is it's just like on the face of it if you think about it it's just such a stupid decision but it almost seems inevitable that we will make those kind of mistakes for each other or or make those kind of mistakes ourselves and in doing so it's it's not you know i mean obviously we try our best but Again, that's that's the power of inevitability. You don't know how, how much control... I mean, obviously, you have to assume that you have control over everything that you do, right? I mean, even if it's not true, you have to assume it. That's the only way to function in real life. I mean, it's impossible uh, not to if you truly think that you are without free will. Then you just kind of collapse comatose on the floor. So y you can't act in accordance with that belief of... Uh, uh, you know, puppetry on a grand galactic kind of spiritual scale. Um, and, that, and in that way, uh, damn, I lost my train of thought. And in that way, we need to forgive ourselves. So that's basically what I'm getting at, is we forgive ourselves and we ask for forgiveness. Uh, and return to God even after we've fallen, because falling is an inevitability. And the return to God may also be inevitable. That just may be a cyclical thing. I mean, the Bible just seems to keep happening. I mean, obviously, if people have given up, then, uh, you know, nowadays, maybe if we've just all uh, completely forsaken him, then um, that may be it. But the notion that it's never it's never really over. There's no final, like, I'm irredeemable, I've completely fucked up, I've completely lost my life. And so that's the kind of the impression that I got reading all of the past uh, sections. So now we're finally finishing up the history section of the Bible. Which is why I'm doing this episode by myself, because I have... It's no secret I absolutely hate these particular bits, you know? Like, it's all just plot, and some cool stuff happens, and a lot of people are like, oh, like, but Samuel 1 and Samuel 2, and there's a lot in there. I mean, and there, there always is, right? But, uh, I feel like it's, it, it feels like a lot of plot summary and genealogy to me, and maybe this is just the layman naive interpretation of events, and I'm waiting for something more significant to come up, and more important questions or more important events to talk about or for which to talk about or around in in the bible and maybe i'm just been interpreting it all wrong and that's you know part of the problem with this podcast is i'm not quite sure how to do it i just kind of had the idea like hey i should read the bible and i should put a microphone in front of my face and i should be able to talk for you know 60 to 90 to 40 to 20 to 30 uh to you know some number of minutes every week uh, about the Bible that I just read, and if I get the chance to talk to some cool people that I actually, uh, you know, enjoy and am friends with in real life and on Twitter, then, hey, that's bully for me. I mean, God, could you imagine how great it would be if I got to talk to, uh, I don't know, if I can, uh, the Red Scare Girls or, like, whatever because of this? I mean, hey, I'd be ecstatic. I mean, just by, purely by dint of, uh, uh, getting a microphone and reading a book. How incredible would that be? What are the odds? What if, you know? But uh, I'm not counting on it. Really, it's just the end of the finishing the book. But that said, it's it's not just about uh, pushing the product out there. Or I mean, God, I hate I hate to use it as a product because I'm not, I'm not selling it. I'm giving it away. <laughs> it's just a pure, uh, even a vanity thing at this point, you know, or, or like a test of my abilities to be able to talk for for X number of minutes. I mean, maybe I can somehow turn that into something, right? I mean, I don't really have much 
much in terms of the weight of skills. I'm not really good at anything, but maybe I can talk. If I can talk for just like long periods of time, then maybe, then maybe there's a field for me in, in you know, becoming a podcaster. Uh, or not a podcaster, but just someone who talks, right? What if what if that's how I make my money? In the same way that the uh, thank you for smoking guy does. Maybe he's just really, he's got a silver tongue. Maybe that's the only thing that I'm good at. So this is just a test. It's a suspicion, right? If it turns out that uh, by the end of, what, 60-something books, 60-something episodes of this, if it turns out that... Uh, turns out I don't have the gift. Or I just don't, you know, maybe I'm just tired of it, right? People are... Or already asked me, oh, what's your next project going to be? And uh, the answer is probably going to be nothing. <laughs> uh, probably, probably going to uh, put down my, lay down my sword for a brief moment and uh, pass away. Just walk into the waves, disappear into the foam, and and that will be it for me. <sighs> so, but I mean, ultimately, it's it's tricky because like it's an experiment in. Uh, not to, and now I'm getting incredibly self-indulgent talking about myself or what exactly uh, I'm doing with this this kind of Bible Buddies project where I'm trying to go. But I mean, a part of it is also to explain it to myself. I don't think there's anyone who listens to this podcast. Like it may, according to Patreon, I have like four people who pay money for it, which I should reiterate again, this thing is free. Every episode that comes out is uh, 100%... Uh, free of charge, there's, you, you know, but, uh, I mean, thank you for the donations, but you, you know, you don't have to do this, so at least four people listen to this thing, uh, but maybe they just, maybe they don't, maybe they put down the money and they'll, uh, and that's the end of it, but regardless, it, it's, um, trying to figure out, like, how to, how to structure it in a way that internally, to me, sounds, sounds good, you know, or, or it makes sense, like, what would I want to hear, and until now, it's been mostly uh, plot summaries, which is the naive, immediate kind of take the direction to go in with something like this, where you just summarize what is going on with little notes, and then comment on them as you go along, in the same way you would with kind of like a movie episode or something, but I think what really, where it really gets interesting is when that stuff is all done and out of the way and you get to the really interesting like specific quotations because i mean every single you know there's certain lines you can dedicate an entire two hours to right uh, certain uh, broad concepts as they reflect you know in the bible and now and that's really the beauty of it is it it's it's an eternal thing it's a very it's a human book it, it teaches about like where we as people are with respect to, you know, our ancestors and also where we're going in the future. If we take it as a given that none of us will ever be uh, perfect or godly or live up to that, that kind of the expectations that are given to us, but also to forgive others and ourselves when they fall so long as they're willing to set themselves back on the path, so long as they're ready to return, you know, that kind of, I mean, I know the story of the prodigal, prodigal, the prodigal, the, the son who comes back, <laughs> who, um, the son who comes back, the son who left and then returned, uh, just because uh, I kept on hearing that word, that term, and I had to look it up, it was probably for some TV show, but, uh, I mean, it's really, isn't that, 
what it's all about. I mean, various iterations of that specific lesson and how it relates to people in their lives and their stories of falling and then redeeming themselves and then falling again. You know, every time a, a tragedy befalls us from within or without, every crisis we're allowed to, how we deal with it and how we try and right ourselves from from our actions and responsibilities we take. And that's, I mean, really, you know, if there's any lesson to take away from it is that we're all, uh, we're all redeemable. We can all, we can all be saved. I mean, obviously the Old Testament does not have that kind of universalist message. It really only seems to apply to Jews. Everyone else can kind of get fucked. I mean, that's a big thing that happens in all of all of the books is uh, everyone who is not of Israel is, is an enemy to be conquered and destroyed. And uh, there is no race mixing or mixed marrying uh, or even tolerance of those other gods and beliefs to be to be held, right? So maybe we can we can drop that, but you know what? At least those guys had convictions, right? They're not wishy-washy. They don't fuck around, man. Those old Jews, they uh, they really they sacrificed a lot and they fought a lot, and they were the the true the Klingons of the uh, thousand years ago, or however long, or how or you know or however it goes, but yeah i think i think that's pretty much it that i have to say about uh chronicles i mean obviously hmm i guess there's nothing obvious about it that is everything that i have lined up to say so let's see let's check the time here i got 40 minutes 40 minutes of solo content out of these particular books that I didn't talk anything about. That's wild. Let's check the news. Forgot password? New York Times reports that uh, multiple would-be millionaires forgot their Bitcoin accounts and can't remember their passwords. Uh, Stephen Thomas, who had exactly two guesses to figure out the password before he's permanently locked out of his digital wallet holding approximately $222 million worth of Bitcoin. Isn't that something? Yeah, Bitcoin's a scam. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but uh, as a particular coin, I had to, you know, I mean, not a lot of people know this, is I have a computer science degree that I will never use because I hated it. A uh, huge mistake, man. I, I wanted to do a philosophy, and then I was like, oh, I'll just take a logic course, and I loved it, and all the people there, like half of the class were computer science students saying, oh, yeah, this counts as a humanities credit, and it's basically all we do in computer science is, you know, logic tables and... Uh, grammars and so forth and I was like whoa this is awesome I'm gonna look that up and I took a course and then another course and I was gonna do a minor and then I was like wait but for only three or four more courses I can do a major and I get to do co-op uh, so I did that and um, it turns out I mean the programming I wasn't too bad at but the math stuff my god holy shit it was bad at math i mean i by all accounts i wouldn't have made it into the program if i uh applied out of high school because i mean i didn't take grade 12 math and grade 11 i think i took like just the bare minimum uh math required you know to to get the credit and graduate i was not destined for that life but i still got the degree but anyways with regard to bitcoin uh, I mean, fundamentally, from a, a cryptographic, uh, cryptography, whatever kind of sense, it's, you know, fundamentally sound. It's just, like, the number of transactions that it can handle 
when compared to something like a Visa card means it can't be used as a currency. And also the fact that uh, in order to speed up your transaction, you pay a transaction fee to make it more attractive to the people mining the, the Bitcoins to get. And so when I was uh, fucking with Bitcoin to buy Xanax way back in the day, uh, like four years ago, uh, like there was a point where Bitcoin had just it jumped in price and it was like, oh, like, God, I forget. It's like $8,000 a coin or something like people are like it's gonna hit 10 it's gonna hit 10 and transactions were like, it was like six dollars to send fifty dollars you know which is insane it, like the transaction uh, costs were insanely high like I think when it first hit 10,000 like those transaction fees were yeah like some people were saying like, oh it's like 50 bucks if you want to get it in the you know within the hour which is just that's not a currency and it's also not really a store of value because not only does it uh, jump up in price insanely, but it also decreases in price insanely. And you think, oh, well, the price... Uh, oh, I'm getting a message here. Maybe I should end the pod. I've got a message to play Tabletop Simulator. That could be fun. Anyway, uh, Bitcoin's a scam. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a better episode next time. I love you. 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 I love you.